speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will I get sick? Will I get sick and die from the Delta variant? Hmm. Will my Social Security check keep up with rising inflation costs? Will my husband be deployed to Afghanistan again? What do I do when unemployment runs out? How will I feed my children? Will my cancer test be positive, and if so, how many surgeries do I need to undergo? Will my children be safe? Can I afford college? Will I lose my job if I don't get the vaccine? What am I going to do after high school? Hmm. My friends, it seems like there is no shortage of things to worry about these days. And yes, contrary, contrary to what people say, people are very worried in America right now. You see, those who puff up their chest and raise their noses saying, hey, you know what, I'm not worried. Well, they're lying to themselves and you. In other words, when they say, I'm not worried, it is typically a telltale sign, an indication that they are indeed worried. People who aren't worried don't say that they're not worried. They simply don't worry. But is worry such a big 
deal? Is it such a big problem? Is it something that should be avoided? Is, is it something to be frowned upon? Well, first of all, we must understand that there is a huge difference between worry on the one hand and being wise on the other. In the Old Testament, Solomon, yes, King Solomon, teaches us that it is good to be wise to the events and the circumstances of life, to be aware, to have one's eyes opened. For example, if one sees a dark rain cloud in the distance, putting the car in the garage to avoid a possible hail-damaged car is good. It's wise. Or a heavy vehicle should avoid a bridge full of cracks. That is wise. That is good. In other words, wisdom teaches us to look to the cause and the effects of life and then adjust proportionately. And so simply pointing out a problem or being, being fully aware of a problem and then telling others to be aware of that problem itself to alert them is not worry, but it is wisdom. Indeed, there's a difference between worry and wisdom. But worry, though, on the other hand, is quite different from wisdom. For example, the worry that Jesus condemns in our reading from the Gospel of Matthew is the kind of future thinking that is wrapped up with, get this, with fear. It's the kind of thinking about the future that is soaked and it is confined and it is surrounded by a spirit of fear. For example, if one sees that dark rain cloud in the distance, they can get their car and put it in the garage, which is wise and good. But when they scurry inside, sit in a chair, frantically rocking back and forth while biting on their nails with an intense thoughts, thoughts that are so intense that nothing else matters in this world, the thoughts about the storm hurting their car to the point that they can do nothing else, well, that's unhealthy, my friends. It's definitely unhealthy. You see, where worry is different from wisdom is that it causes us to fixate to fixate in our mind, to fixate on future loss. You see, worry is much like grief, but the kind of grief that hasn't happened yet. It is like future grief of losing something else, but experience that grief right now in the present, the anxiety right in the present. Think of it this way. When our minds and our thoughts and the words grab a hold of some uncertainty in the future, and when fear paints a picture of loss and suffering for us, and when we experience the trauma of loss and suffering in the present time, even though it hasn't even happened to us yet, well, that's worry. Ah, that's worry. Now, I don't have to convince you about the effects of worry. We all get it. We understand it. Worry causes our blood pressure to increase. Yep, right here. Worry indeed causes our blood pressure to increase. We can lose sleep over worry right here. <laughs> worry causes us to drink more alcohol and take pills to ease our uneasiness with worry. Worry causes our head to lower and our feet to drag in the dust. Pessimism can also set in. Or at least we pretend that we're optimistic and strong, a true tough guy. And to make things worse, worry causes us to become edgy. Edgy with our coworkers, edgy with our family and our friends. And just in case it's not bad enough, worry causes us to begin to lecture everyone else around us, to be worried just like us. And the reason why? If people are not worried like us, it makes us more worried. We find comfort in similarity. After all, if they are not worried, they're obviously reckless and they might make things worse. So come on, get worried with me, with us. 
In the end, the reason why Jesus condemns all of our worrying is that it not only is that it not only torments and divides our minds, but it is, get this, rooted in fear. And fear, as you know, is a consequence of sin. So perhaps a beneficial question is this, what sin is present with worry? What sin fuels and feeds our worry so much? Well, for starters, we imagine that we are immortal. We certainly do. That we will live forever. We know that we won't live forever, but we like to pretend that we will. And so, think about it a moment. Think about this for a moment. If you and I were able to live forever, we might have a justification for worrying about things like money and possessions and so forth. However, quite bluntly stated, I'm amazed by how many people worry about money when death itself is knocking on their door. You see, we believe this mantra, we really do in America, we believe this mantra that whoever dies with the most toys wins, but it is simply not correct. It's not true. Whoever dies with a lot of toys, they simply die. They're dead, six feet under. They can't take it with them, as they say. You see, we need to listen to the Apostle Peter that everything in this life in the end, will burn before Christ creates all things new. Yes, before Christ creates all things new. We forget that everything in this life under the sun is a brief moment itself. We are mortal. We also worry because our worry is tied to the idols that we have created and cling to more often than not. Think of it this way. If our joy and our hope and our identity and our worth are connected to an idol, whatever the idol may be, it creates worry in us if that idol itself is threatened or challenged. For example, if a man's security is in his pension, well, the man will always have a tremendous amount of worry when the stock market drops. Quite frankly, the stock market, when it drops, it creates worry because a man's security is tied up in that. It becomes an idol. Or if a woman's identity is tied up in being a mother, her worry over kids leaving the house for college may not be over the kid's safety, but over a loss of the mother's identity. Again, worry is, more often than not, wrongfully tied to the idols that we have created, the idols that we love. When they get threatened, it causes worry. But perhaps the biggest reason why we worry is that we believe that we are alone in this life under the sun. As we know, sin caused Adam and Eve to run from God and hide in that garden in fear. And my friends, we act as if we are alone as well. In this life, too much of the time, we believe that we're alone. You see, I believe this is one of the devil's best strategies, and that is this, to encourage us to hide in the shadows, in the shadows of sin, which only fans the flames of fear itself. And fear, as we know, gives birth to worry. We end up believing the myth that we are all on our own to muddle through this life by ourselves. Frankly, again, worry, this worry, it kind of makes sense if we are truly alone. It would make sense to worry if we're truly alone. Uh, But that is the good news, though. We're not alone. We're not left to ourselves. We're not left in the shadows of fear. You see, Jesus tells us otherwise. Listen to the reading from the Gospel of Matthew yet again. Listen, listen, listen carefully to what Jesus says to us. He says this, it's so good. Look at the birds of the air. Are you not more valuable than they? 
If God so clothed the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? You see, baptized saints, we need to repent of our worry. Not wisdom, but our worry itself. We need to repent of believing the lie that you and I are immortal, that we will live forever. We need to repent of clinging to our useless idols, having more fear of losing our idols than having proper fear before God himself. Uh, We need to repent of believing the lies of the devil that we are alone. Hear this loud and clear. You are not immortal. You will die. However, do not be tricked into fearing the bullies of this world that threaten your body. You see, there is nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. And so save your fear for God who holds all of you, body and soul. You are in his hands. Even though you will die, uh, the good promise of the gospel is this, that he will resurrect you on the last day. So do not fear, blessed baptized saints. Do not fear. Do not worry. And your idols, uh, the idols that we have created... As we've heard many times before from this pulpit, the idols that we cling to do not love you back. They cannot bleed for you. Instead, rest in the living God that neither withers nor fades in this life. Christ is living for you. He's not dead in the grave. And the devil, yes, chins up, dear baptized saints. Chins up and hear this. When you feel at the end of your rope, alone in the shadows with your fear and worries, chin up, make the sign of the cross with confidence and boldness, remembering your baptisms, and say this to the devil, O devil, Jesus promised neither to leave me nor to forsake me, for I am more important than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. I belong to assurance, not fear. I belong to certainty, not worry. Jesus created the world and he holds its end. He holds all things, especially me. And so be gone to the shadows of fear, O devil. I rest in Christ and his forgiveness for me. And my friends, just in case anyone might accuse you of being reckless for Christ, reckless in Christ, for Christ chasing away your fear, as if having, somehow, if, if having assurance in Christ in this mad world is a recipe for recklessness, remember this. Fear is what produces recklessness, not faith. Being sober in the moment, well, resting in Christ, is the opposite of being reckless. It is the opposite of being recklessly strangled by worry and fear. Fear causes one to stumble in the darkness, but assurance, assurance in Christ... When you have assurance, you walk with eyes wide open, with your soul secure in Christ. And so, baptized saints, come what may, do not fear, do not worry. You have Christ. As good or as bad as things get in this life, Christ has you. Do not worry, little flock. Your Savior is bigger than this world. Your Savior is bigger than the devil. And your Savior is much bigger than your sins. You are more important than the birds of the air, more important than the lilies of the field. You are not alone. You have a Christ, and he has you. In the name of Jesus, 